Novel by Mark Edwards. There's a shocking secret out there, awaiting her and what she doesn't even know is that she may be carrying the missing pieces to solve one of the greatest mysteries of all time. Prologue. Wurtemberg, 1939. It's just the times we live in, lady. But Sister Madgeline, you can't let them take my baby away from me. Just a dose of this potion and you won't have to think about it anymore, the elderly nurse replied. Her hands shivered as she tried inserting the needle in the right arm of the heavy breathing blonde-haired woman from whom an eight-pounds baby girl was delivered, seconds ago. Sister Madgeline, what are you doing? I'm following strict orders, my dear lady. This child is to be taken from you as long as it's of this descent. But how can you tell? The woman asked. She gasped for breath while lying on the wooden bed in the small makeshift hospital which was actually an abandoned camouflaged military bus. By the color of its eyes we could tell and we suspect the father is from the enemy's camp. We would face serious consequences if we don't take this child from you, Sister Madgeline continued while lifting her weak right hand in an effort to apply the needle to the inner right arm of the young lady. Sister Madgeline, I had nothing to do with my bearing child. It all happened against my will, but I can't let you them take my child. Young blonde, the only way this child escapes growing up as a slave for them is if we take its life. You can't take my child's life. Calm down, young lady, you've just had a baby. Don't you think you need some rest? The old woman questioned while holding the needle with her shivering right hand. Despite being exhausted after the delivery, the young woman, who seemed to be in her early twenties, lifted herself from the wooden bunk bed. You need some rest, woman. What part of that don't you understand? Another younger nurse yelled after giving her a slap in the face, sending her back lying on the wooden bed. Don't let them hurt my baby, please. They all dipped to the floor of the abandoned bus as they heard the buzzy growl of the fighter plane that lingered only a few feet above in the darkly painted cloudless sky. The occupants and the patient on the old military coach knew what was coming next. They waited. And waited, they either waited for whatever would ensue or a miracle that it wouldn't happen, but it did happen. They could all hear the rattling inches of the doors and the clattering window panes of the old bus which followed the hear-deafening detonation. They realized the bomb landed only meters away from them. Oh heavens, when will this all end? One of the nurses sighed. The young woman found herself lying on her side clutching her newborn. She breathed a sigh of relief as whatever just happened had caused a delay, at least the elderly nurse had temporarily misplaced her needle and her baby was still alive. She took comfort in listening to the way it cried. At least my baby is responding. Probably she is scared of this treatment or probably she is angry. I'll always love you and be with you, child of my womb no matter what, the mother sighed. She, however, noticed three large scratches on the right arm of her baby girl. The scratches were the length of the upper arm of the toddler, its upper right arm started bleeding heavily. My baby is hurt. Somebody, please help. She was quite astonished but helpless as she watched her baby with a bleeding right arm being taken away from her own arms. The woman was weak, she was exhausted and she knew she didn't even have the strength to lift her own eyelids. Don't take my baby, please. Don't hurt her. She looked at the nurse who slapped her ruthlessly, minutes before, she was moving towards her with the pointed needle and a smaller dose of the potion, some must have fallen out, thanks to the bombshell that fell nearby. I will always be with you, my baby, will always love you. These were the only words she could allow herself to say. Chapter 1 Ten years later Wurtemberg, 1949. Felka, where have you been? I wasn't feeling well. Wasn't feeling well, who? Wasn't feeling well, Madame Gatbord, the little girl answered while holding both hands behind her. Her fingers sweated as her back waited in anticipation for the flogging. 
Why did I come back here? I should have stayed at the elementary school of Württemberg. At least, I'm learning to read. But where would I sleep? I just could not help noticing the way the teacher kept looking at me. Probably I don't look like the other kids in the class or I shouldn't have been there in the first place. I wish she would be nice as the way she looks, at least to me. These thoughts ran through the mind of the little girl until she was suddenly brought back to reality by the clapping noise the leather belt made when Madame Gatbord forcefully stretched it between both freckled hands. Mrs. Dollhouse told us that you were missing and the pups weren't fed, neither was the lawn taken care of. Where the heck were you? Felka thought about puppies that she had to feed. They were actually a lot bigger than her, she dreaded going anywhere near them after being attacked once. They must have been angry because she did not bring their food on time or she did not bring enough. What control would I have over the amount of food they get? She wondered while remembering how she had to scale the white picket fence in order to escape the sharp teeth of the wolf-looking animals who were supposed to be puppies. Puppies indeed. I fell asleep in the byre. I had a terrible tummy ache, Madame Gatboard. I'm so sorry, I'll make it up to the dollhouse, and to you. I know if she knew that I ran off to school then should have me tied to a cross. You fell asleep? Madame Gatboard questioned slowly while trying to read the blue eyes that hid slightly beneath the curly golden hair of the little girl who stood before her, waiting for her penance. You think that doubling up for the missing day of work will make you not receive the twenty lashes for such a misdemeanor? Madame Gatboard giggled. Falca felt like giggling too, well she did, after seeing what Madame Gatboard's cackle revealed, one of her front teeth being bigger than the other and had a cavity. She looks like a covered mouse, rat to be exact. What the heck are you laughing at? Nothing, madam. She noticed the little girl staring at her mouth and figure what happened. Embarrassed, she quickly covered her mouth. Madame Gatboard really enjoyed when they sin only because it was her greatest pleasure to administer the punishment, but this child had actually caused embarrassment and discomfiture. You are going to flipping pay for hurting my feelings, you little tyke. She raised her freckled arm and started wielding the leather belt. You are going to feel the buckle. No. You come from nowhere and we provide meals and a shelter. Slap. You didn't have to be placed here, you could have been killed or something. Slap. Have compassion, Madame Gatboard, it hurts. Slap. You fell asleep in the byre, and that's where you stay tonight. Madame Gatboard thought that punishing this little girl would have been fun but she was more than exhausted. It must have been the extra ten lashes she gave Felka. She started breathing heavily while Felka sat in the corner of the darkly painted room, just staring into space. What happened in here? It was the cook, Madri's. That little urchin, she must sleep in the barn tonight, Madame Gatboard ordered before collapsing to the wooden floor. You are wheezing, Madame Gatboard, Madri startled after hearing the frying hisses that her chest made. Help, we need to get Madame Gatboard to the hospital, asthma attack. That teaches you not to be mean, the little girl whispered to herself while nursing her own wounds, mentally. I must go back to the school tomorrow, she thought while secretly glancing through the pages of the book she stole, borrowed from the elementary school of Württemberg. Chapter 2 Good morning class. Good morning Miss Anderson. Their little voices echoed in harmony through the teal blue walls of the classroom. Today we are going to look at adjectives, Miss Anderson continued while underlining the word adjectives on the green chalkboard. Who can tell me what an adjective is? Miss Anderson asked. It is a word that describes. Clara answered. She was the daughter of the wealthy Dr. Flernridge. Good, the teacher answered. She knew that the answer would come only from Clara anyway. And gives more information about nouns and pronouns. Miss Anderson looked around. She was quite astonished that it wasn't Clara. 
She was even more astounded that such interesting explanation came from the little golden-haired girl who would just pop up in her class, day in, day out. Miss Anderson stared at Felka and was upset a bit, this was so because this type of explanation did not come from her favorite pupil, Clara, whose father, Dr. Flernridge kept sending little gifts, covertly to her and promised to take her to the big screen on the weekend. She walked over to Felka. An example of an adjective would be, Miss Anderson is wearing a long, red dress, Felka continued while the teacher walked over to the back of the class, to her. Miss Anderson was quite stunned at such brilliance from the little girl who looked like the daughter of a poor person when compared to the other pupils in the cold classroom. Felka could feel the pierce of envy from the grey eyes of the teacher's preferred, Clara Flernridge and her groupies. The little food thief, Clara whispered. Miss Anderson heard such rude comment but pretended not to. She stared into the blue eyes of the little girl who seemed to be brilliant despite the inconsistency in her attendance, very poor school attendance, in fact. Child, what do you say your name is? Felka. Felka who? Felka, F. Felka, Felka. The entire class then started to giggle. Miss Anderson tried to cover up her own giggle by looking across the room. She glanced at Clara. Who are your parents? The blonde-haired teacher asked while looking at the stunning shades of red and gold at Felka's kinky hair and thanks to the beam of the rare morning sun which peeped through the glass window. Felka did not answer. Child, who are your parents? There was more giggling among the other pupils. Be quiet, class. That was meant for Clara too. Little girl, don't you have parents? No answer. I do not expect you to come back to my class without either of your parents. Am I understood? Miss Anderson questioned, sternly. Felka alighted from her chair then moved towards the exit. Two donuts and a book fell from her bosom as she made her way towards the door. It was the book she had borrowed, without permission from the elementary school. She didn't even bother to look back. The other kids laughed. Little food thief, they jeered. Be quiet, everybody. Miss Anderson decreed after having her fair share of grins. She took the book from the floor that had fallen from Felka. This must have been the source of her intelligence. Chapter 3 Knock knock. Miss Anderson took her eyes from off the green chalkboard. She peeped beyond her silver spectacles and recognized that it was the Sir Vector, the headmaster of the elementary school. The school bell rang, seconds after. The kids all grabbed their knapsacks and bolted towards the door. Good day Miss Anderson, they hollered. Good day to you all. Oh, remember to read up on pronouns for tomorrow's class and ask your mommies to help you with chapter 7. Yes. Yes, who? Yes Miss Anderson, they shouted while making their way past their school headmaster who looked like a doorpost as he stood at the doorway. They were alone in the classroom. So, Miss Anderson, I see the kids love you. And how may I help you, sir? He closed the classroom door and then made slow circular movements around her, she continued to maintain a stern eye contact while keeping him in sight. This prevented him from standing directly behind her. You are so tense, Miss Anderson, relax, he said. He removed his gilt scissors glasses from his face and stared at her from it head to toe. Miss Anderson hugged herself as tight as she possibly could while she shivered with fear. The way his brownish eyes pierced her body she almost believed that they had the power to make her dress disappear. You know, Miss Anderson, I can make you head teacher at this institution. You will be the envy of the other teachers of this institution. Being the envy of the other teachers, the female teachers, in particular, would be more than I can handle, Sir Vector. She tried to breathe freely but he was already too close. The grey hairs in his brown moustache reminded her how much older than her he was. Can you handle a bigger wage check, Miss Anderson? 
he asked while gently removing her silver spectacles from her face. He became intrigued by the savory pomade of her blonde hair. She felt like biting his fingers for being intrusive. More money would be good, sir, I will be more than willing to work as hard to achieve it. She kept him inside as he tried to move around to her derriere. Miss Anderson, do you know how good you look without the glasses? He asked while staring into her greenish eyes. The only thing that came to mind while he looked at her bodacious curves was a pair of swimsuits. Sir, I would love not to continue communicating with you on this level. She tried to free herself from his arm brace and his breath. Miss Anderson, here, you can have the keys to my Model 200. It is fully leather inside. Locomotives do run around here, sir. Sir Vector breathed heavily as he closed in on her. He looked at how pronounced her figure was, in the long red close-fitting dress. I think I should go now sir, I've got a meeting to catch. He placed his hands on her wide hips then tried to move them behind her. He then tried to cover her thin crimson lips with his. She gave him a ruthless slap across his firm cheekbone. He retreated. He held his cheek. If you don't conform to the rules of this institution then you'll be dismissed for insubordination and rebelliousness, madam. We might want to take this up with the school board, sir, she answered before grabbing her handbag, replacing her glasses and heading out of the lonely school room. Something fell from her bosom while she left the classroom. He took it up after she left the room. It was a note which read. To Miss Floric Anderson. Dash 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 dash. Good day Floric. You've been a great tutor to my daughter, Clara. I truly appreciate your effort. I really look forward to us going too. See the big screen film this weekend. I've sent you 29.00. Buy a nice dress, red preferably. Love. Dr. Flernrich. May 14, 1949. Now I see what my employee is up to, Sir Vector smirked while folding the note and placing it in the bosom of his jacket. This is a breach of the code of conduct of my institution. This does require disciplinary repercussion. Dr. Flernridge, we can't have you sitting on the school board when you are leading the double life. Mrs. Flernridge wouldn't be too pleased with the direction of your generosity. No Dr. Flernridge, we have to get rid of you permanently, the headmaster giggled. End of sample. You can get the full book at select online retailers such as Barnes & Noble, Nook, Apple, Kobo, Angus, and Robertson, Talia, Germany. Here's the link. https colon slash slash books to read.com slash u slash bmrx0a. This fictional story contains the names of characters, places, events and a storyline that exist only in the author's imagination. Any resemblance to actual events, persons alive or non-living is a coincidence. All rights reserved. Reproduction, duplication or copying of any part of this publication in any form or by whatever means is strictly prohibited unless consent is given by the author. The images, texts, and illustrations remain the intellectual property of the author. Copyright 2015, 2018 Copyright